following message is presented by Community Gospel Church in Bremen, Indiana. It is our great privilege to share this ministry with you. We in no way intend for this to be a replacement for the local church. It is our prayer that this would serve as a resource to help make Jesus Christ known in our congregation and other congregations gathering across the world. For more information about Community Gospel Church, visit www.communitygospelchurch.com. Uh, Deuteronomy 26 is where we're at today. So if you have a Bible or electronic device that has a Bible on it, um, I preach out of the English Standard Version of the Bible. So uh, just so you know um, where we're coming from here. And uh, the ESV version of the Bible is a free app. So if you want to download that, go ahead by all means. Um, We're going to try to tackle three verses uh, today. And uh, we're, we're kind of chipping away. We're getting to the end of Deuteronomy. So if you're here and you're thinking to yourself, man, I, I missed the first 25 uh, chapters, that's okay. We'll catch you up. We'll get you caught up. And you can go on communitygospelchurch.com and check out all the messages there too as well. When we're looking at Deuteronomy 26, I was reminded of 2 Corinthians. You don't have to turn there, but that's a New Testament passage of Scripture. Uh, Chapter 9, verse 6, the Apostle Paul writes to a little church that's gathered in Corinth. And he pens these words, and he says, Hey, remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. And as Paul is penning those words to the church in Corinth, I can't help but think that he's thinking about Moses and him writing to the Israelites in Deuteronomy. This is five sermons from Moses as the Israelites are essentially standing on the banks of the promised land. They're looking at the promised land. They can see it, and they're about to enter it. They're about to take over that land that God will give to them. And Moses is saying, hey, as you get ready to go to the promised land, this is how God can essentially show you favor. This is how God kind of looks upon you, and and this is where you can see him really smiling at your life. Everybody wants to know when they get to the end of their life if uh, they will hear those words from Jesus, well done, my good and faithful servant. We all want to hear those words, but how do we hear those words? And Moses comments to the Israelites who are going to a earthly promised land that really echo for us as believers in Jesus Christ, destined to a heavenly promised land, and how God kind of looks upon us and he says, hey, this is how you know you're doing well. And so some of these words today might hurt a little bit, but that's okay, and they might help a little bit too as well. There's three ways that God essentially looks at us, and he says, this is how I have given you favor or that I'm looking at you and I'm affirming the things that you're doing as a believer in me. He says, first in 26, in giving, and then he says in 27, in being committed, and then the third thing he's going to say is, in obedience, all you think, say, and do. So three ways to receive God's blessing or favor. Now, before we go any farther, there's a disclaimer Receiving God's blessing and favor does not mean earthly success, health, wealth, or prosperity. God never promises any of those to us. And if you are ever sitting in a church, those of you who are online are looking for a church, and the pastor promises you health, wealth, and prosperity, you find yourself a new church. Okay? Because that's not how God works. (laughs) Oftentimes, God shapes us in a way where he takes away our 
prosperity, health, and wealth so that we can conform more into the image of Christ. Man, that's encouraging for Memorial Day, isn't it? All right, verse 26, or chapter, excuse me, 26. First thing that he talks about is let's talk about being giving, all right? Deuteronomy 26, Israelites given instructions on how to regard their first fruits. Say first fruits. Okay, so he's talking about apples and oranges and bananas. <laughs> Just kidding. Look at that where he says, when you come into the land that the Lord your God is giving you for an inheritance and have taken possession of it and you live in it, you shall take the first of all the fruit of the ground. He's talking about literal fruit. Now let's bridge the gap from Old Testament to New Testament and let's think about it for us as believers today. When you believe and trust in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, God has given you a full inheritance. I did not trust Christ to get to heaven. I trusted Christ because God helps me now. The gospel is just as much for today as it is for eternity. And so, since we have trusted in Christ, he's given us the full inheritance, take possession of it, live in it, and you should give the first of all the fruit that God has given you, that's figurative, so that you, the Lord your God will put it in a basket and all this other stuff in place and the Lord your God will choose. So two reasons why we give back to God and what we give to God. First thing is in the first 15 verses of Deuteronomy chapter 26. I want you to bring your first fruits. Now, what is a first fruit? Now, it's talked about in Deuteronomy 26, 1 and 2, but also Proverbs chapter 3. And that refers to the most valuable portion of the harvest offered to God as an act of worship. Why would God tell his people to give back the best of the best? Because God gave the best of the best to us in Christ. It is prophetic, first and foremost. And when entering into the promised land, the Israelites would bring these first fruits to the tabernacle to do a couple things. It would acknowledge that God was the one who provided and was good to them. That's verse 3 and 4. It would remind them of how God delivered them from Egypt, the hardships that they experienced and faced. And it would also be a way to su support the, the Levitical priesthood. And every time it says a way to support the Levitical priesthood, pastors just go, amen. Okay? And that was okay. But it also sustained the poor and the needy. Now, if you're new here at Community Gospel Church, this is your first Sunday, and you're thinking to yourself, man, they're talking about money. I knew they were going to talk about money. It's God's word, not my word. Okay? And God talks a lot about money because if you look at the status of where you put your money, you'll see the status of where your heart is and what you truly love. So look at verse 5. In Deuteronomy 26, verse 5, it says, And you shall make response before the Lord your God, who is a wandering Aramean. What is a wandering Aramean? Well, all Jews could say they were a wandering Aramean. It was a reference to the time of Jacob's family in Canaan to Israelites' exodus. And God saw Israel's time, catch this, in, ex in Egypt as a detour that allowed them to grow as a nation without pagan people or without pagan influence. So let's bridge from the Old Testament into the New Testament and let's talk about those who have placed their faith and trust in Christ. We give our first fruits to acknowledge that God is good. 
we also do so to remind us that God has delivered us from trials and tribulations. Primarily the trial and tribulation that we have with sin. And then God has supported us in every need. And so in response to all God's provision in all of these past events, Israel was to respond in worship in giving the first fruits with a grateful heart. Now this links to New Testament believers today because we do the same thing. Now we would ask, what are the first fruits today? Well, it was obviously the fields in regards to the Israelites, but for us, our first fruits are, yes, absolutely, our finances. Some of you are good about this. You tithe 10%. It comes to the church, and you welcome that gift because it's a good model to follow in regards to the Old Testament text. But it's funny. In the New Testament, it never says that you give a tithe. It says you give a sacrificial gift. As a matter of fact, for the New Testament church to be built up, the people would look at them, and they would say, you should give more than 10%. You should give 15 or 20 Some of us are like, whoa, hold, hold on a second. So as a New Testament believer, you gave first and foremost to the church of what God had entrusted to your care based off the diligence in regards to your workload. Some of you are at 1% or 2%, and that's great, and you should continue to seek the Lord and how to give. Now, we all know about money, and you're all looking at me with all these stares, and you're like, oh, you're talking about money. I can't believe we're talking about money. Well, let's talk about the first fruits of your time and talents. Do we give God the first moments of our day? If God has given us a day to live, do we give him a tithe of that time? I don't have time, Pastor Jordan, to uh, study my Bible and read my Bible and spend time in prayer. Oh, you have time. You just don't have priorities. And then what about God telling us, I want you to tithe the first day of the week to corporate worship when you're gathered here today? We can talk about sacrificial giving, but we can also talk about time and talents in regards to giving to the Lord. Giving is not a burden to bear. It's an expression of our belief. God's people are supposed to be giving people. We give with our money, we give with our time, and we give with our talents. And we ask ourselves, why do we do this? Because the only time in the Bible that talks about giving in regards to testing the Lord, God says, bring it on. God says, I want you to to really like try me and see if your life is not better. I'll talk about that verse in just a second. But here for Moses and the Israelites, he says, when you do this, when you bring your first fruits, you renew your covenant that you made with God. Now, covenant just means promise. God promised to Israel that he would be with them. He would fight for them. As they entered into the promised land, he would restore them. And God always tells us that when we're obedient to him, bringing our first fruits, time, talent, and possessions, we renew our covenant with God as an act of worship. From Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 1, all the way to here, Moses constantly reminds Israel of God's commandments and to keep them. And like Israel, we need both instruction and reminders regarding God's law, as well as encouragement to obey them. Whenever Israel obeyed, they were proclaiming three things. They were saying, the Lord is our God. They were saying, we walk in his ways. And they're saying, we keep his commands. When you give your first fruits, church, whether that's time, talents, or possessions, you renew your covenant with God and say, God, you are my God. Everything good is from you. I will walk in your ways. I will trust you. And I will keep your commands. Israel knew 
that obedience to God reflected their identity to him. New Testament church, believers gathered here today, our obedience reflects our identity. If Israel obeyed God, God exalted them above all of the nations. Obedience in bringing the first fruits and obeying all other commands was renewing of the covenant. You get the opportunity to renew your covenant with God every single second of the day. Isn't that amazing? God says, hey, and, and, and I love it. He says, bring it on. Malachi chapter 3, verse 10. God says, bring the tithe, the whole tithe, into the storehouse. That there may be food in my house. And I love it. This is the only spot in the Bible where God says, test me to see if your life is not better after this. Test me. The Lord God Almighty says it. See if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will be not enough room to store it. Now we look at blessing and we always think health, wealth, and prosperity, but that's not necessarily true. Everybody can only hold so much. So if we extend out our hands and we say, God, bless me. He has blessed us. He fills up our hands. And then he says, I want you to let it go. And then close your hands so I can bless you again. Some of us are not experiencing a blessing from God because we have taken God's blessings, closed our hand, put them close to our heart and said, this little light of mine is mine. And that's where we get into problems and struggle. It was never supposed to be that way. They were never supposed to be in the Old Testament or New Testament receptacles where we took all of God's blessings, put a cap on it, canned it, sealed it. We were supposed to take God's blessings, be filled with it, and then pour them back out so that people would know who God is and what he's all about. Now, Hebrews chapter 8, verse 10, you don't have to go there, but it speaks of this new covenant that God makes with his people. It was a covenant that was based not on law written of tablets of stone, but on the law written on the hearts and minds of those who believe. In Jesus Christ, they believe. And through obedience to God's word, acts like giving up their first fruits, a believer renewed their covenant, their relationship with God, demonstrating that they loved the Lord. Church, our giving, whether it's time, talents, or possessions, is never a meaningless transaction. But it is worship that acknowledges God's provision in your life. And to not give back is to say, God, you are not a good God. To not give back is to say, God, you have not restored and redeemed me. To not give back is to say, I refuse to let anybody receive the same grace and mercy that I have been given. Every act of giving is obedience, opportunities to experience blessings of covenant renewal and mature in our relationship with Christ. Some of us are not maturing because we're not giving. And so here, Moses says, by giving generously with a grateful heart, you honor the Lord and you trust in his faithfulness. So that's 26. And I love at the end of 26, he says, there you will see a land that is flowing with milk and honey. So be careful to do them with all of your heart and soul, not some of it. <laughs> some of us are like, all right, I'll go halfway. Nope, God doesn't like halfway. God likes whole ways, okay? He doesn't want half the pie. He wants the whole pie. And you shall be a people at the end of 26, verse 19, holy to the Lord your God as he promised. Then write in your Bibles, Malachi 3, verse 10. Moving into the second way. God loves, he shows his favor, smiles upon us when we're givers. But he also shines his face upon us when we are committed. 
Like he loves when we're committed. Moses and the elders of Israel in chapter 27 knew there'd be times that Israel would need to renew their covenant. I don't know about you, but when I was a kid, I got saved like 75 times a day. <laughs> Anybody else in the group? Right? Like every night I was like, Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. I accept you as my Messiah, Savior, whatever my dad said on Sunday mornings. I want that. Right? And then I'd do it again. Then I'd do it again. Then until I realized like God has already given me a relationship through faith and trust in Christ. I only have to do it one time. But I think sometimes we got to renew that covenant. And we got to say, God, I renew my relationship to you. So in Deuteronomy 27, you're going to see some instructions that are given it of what a covenant renewal ceremony looks like. It was when they entered the promised land and Moses speaks about blessings for faithfulness and curses for disobedience. It was a reminder of the seriousness of having a relationship with God. How many of us take our relationship with God seriously? That's what they were called and commanded to do here, to commit to him in a serious way. Moses says, hey, if you want God's blessings, then let's remain faithful to him, to his laws, and to his commands, and let's take God seriously. So look at verse 1. The elders of Israel command the people, keep the whole commandment. If you want this land flowing with milk and honey, you need to set up an altar. And all of those verses talk about specific instructions on how to set up an altar, specifically on Mount Ebal to offer sacrifices to God. Now, if you're reading that while I'm talking, that's fine. But there, Israel would write God's laws on large stones and build these altars out of certain stones without tools so that God got all the attention. Now, what's really interesting about the biblical text here, more is caught than taught so many times in Scripture. If you were to jump over into Joshua chapter 8, you will realize that Joshua does the same thing that he sees Moses doing. So he watched Moses do this, and then he does it himself in chapter 8, verse 30. And on these altars, burnt and peace offerings, their first fruits, were made to God. And they proclaimed their commitment to following his ways. Now, I love when the New Testament and the Old Testament link together. It's on the screen. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 5 says, You, yourselves are not just stones that are made by God out in a field. You're living stones. And as believers in Jesus Christ, you are being built into a spiritual house for a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Christ. I feel like we just talked about this. So when you give, you are offering to God on the altar of your life. We're not called, yes, we did just sing that. We're not called to build literal altars anymore, but to offer our lives as living sacrifices to God. When you make a, de a declaration of faith, God, I repent of my sins, I believe upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, you are saved. You have come into the family of God. You're a child of God. You don't have to say that again. But sometimes you need to renew that covenant by saying, I rededicate my life to you. When we show our profession of faith, we do that through baptism. And then after baptism, which is the first act of obedience, <clears throat> you don't have to get uh, baptized to get saved, but we think uh, it's a good way to say I'm obedient to the Lord, because it is, because Jesus did it. <clears throat> then you live as an altar for the Lord. So let me clarify that again. Trust in Jesus Christ through faith. Make the first act of obedience. I'm choking here. Hold on just a second. First act of obedience, baptism, a public declaration of an internal transformation, 
Then go out and live your life as an altar for the Lord, as a living stone, declaring daily your obedience to God, sacrificing to him sometimes. Sacrificing to him daily, minute by minute. Now, if you're an Israelite, all right, which um, I would probably ask this question, to be fair. I'd probably be first in line. I'd be like, Moses, what if we don't do it? Like, all of us are in that same boat, right? We look at Jesus, his commands, all that other stuff. Like, Jesus, what if I don't do that? (laughs) Well, Moses is like, that's a good question. Let me get ahead of the game a little bit. And in verse 9, all the way through verse 26, he gives curses for disobedience. So you can see it. I mean, it's really outlined there. You have 12 curses of what happens for anybody who disobeys. Now, the interesting thing about the end of all those curses, if you look at your Bibles, it says amen next to it. And amen means I agree. So Moses is essentially like saying, cursed be anyone who misleads a blind man on the road and all the people shall say, (laughs) okay, so you're in the back or I would probably be in the back and be like, oh yeah, maybe, oof, right? But they were all in agreement with this. This wasn't just the pastor's words. This is the word of God, and the people affirmed the word of God together in a corporate worship setting. Imagine that, right? So these altars were so important. Moses lists all these curses that transpired. I'll give you the rundown on them, all right? Anyone who makes an idol, anyone who dishonors their father and mother, this is the culmination of the Ten Commandments, anyone who moves their neighbor's boundary stone, Anyone who leads the blind astray, anyone who withholds justice, anyone who has improper sexual relations, anyone who kills their neighbor secretly, <laughs> you thought it, anyone who accepts a bribe to kill an innocent person, etc., etc., etc. Now, all those curses emphasize seriousness of disobedience. And the people said, Amen. They agreed. They understood that if we're going to be committed to God, then we act accordingly. We act accordingly. Now, I love this. Galatians chapter 3, verse 13 says, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us, as is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. And since Christ has become a curse for us, lifting the curse of sin, Jesus took the punishment for our sins upon himself, became a curse on our behalf, so that we might be reconciled to God and receive the blessings of salvation. Why, church, do we not live committed lives to him? We are on a quest for morality, but not a quest to be like Jesus. Christianity has become so compartmentalized that it is almost an abomination to the Lord. God looks at us and he says, if this has been made possible by faith in Christ, the grace of God has been lavished upon your life, not by your own works or efforts to keep the law, and you're an altar, then why would you sacrifice for your own selfish motive instead of for the gospel that you have received? So see, what's really fascinating is, because I was studying this this week, and I was thinking to myself, people do this every single day. You either make a choice to sacrifice on the altar of yourself or sacrifice on the altar of your Savior. Every act that you commit is either in obedience to the Lord or in defiance to his word. And so here we see act accordingly. You are an altar. Either you'll die in your sins because you're committed to yourself or you'll live forever because you're committed to Christ through faith in him. You get the choice. And people look at it and they go, I don't think it's fair that God sends people to hell. God never sends anyone to hell. He honors man's decision to, on whom he will serve. 
If you say to yourself, hey, like, uh, I don't want a relationship with God through faith in Christ. God looks at you and says, if you don't want a relationship with me, then I will give you what you ask for. That is the unpardonable sin. Commitment has to be to Christ and to Christ alone who hung on a tree for our behalf. He was the propitiation, proper sacrifice for us. Okay, so then you move into 28, all right? All the people said, amen. And then Moses says, okay, since we're all saying amen, let's be obedient to him. Like, it's really kind of a crazy thing, right? If you faithfully obey the voice of the Lord your God, be careful then to do all that he commands you to do. Well, this is Old Testament, Jordan. We get to do whatever we want. Should I continue to sin so that grace should abound? No. God puts parameters in my life. No, I love this. In Deuteronomy 28, Moses bounces back and forth between blessings and curses. And when we choose to follow God's commands, we experience all of this heavenly prosperity, not earthly. We experience eternal success, not earthly. And we experience godly protection. We are blessed in obedience and destroyed in defiance. Now watch this. In verse 14 verses, Moses says, here's the blessings of obedience. If Israel obeyed, it would bring blessings from God. Now, I believe with all my heart that the Old Testament, you see these materialistic blessings because God needed to manifest his, his self to kind of show Israel who he was. And I think he withholds that from some of us because he says, I already did that in the past. I want to do it in a new way. Oh, thanks. Appreciate it. What a nice guy you are. Um, I was like, what did I do wrong? I, I, I'm preaching the text. <laughs> I was waiting for you to come up and be like, that's not true. I'm like, that is true. <laughs> it's like being reprimanded by my old man or something, you know. Like, Dad's coming up. Um, <clears throat> all right, or rebound. Um, so here's, here's all of it. They say in verse 2 through 10, you get prosperity in fields, victory over enemies, established as a holy people, abundance in all these areas. Now, here's what they're doing, and this is before Jesus arrives on the scene, but look at Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things will be added unto you. That's exactly what Moses is saying to the people. Seek first the kingdom of God. And if you were hearing Jesus' words, you would have been reminded of Deuteronomy 28. Because in obedience, if God promised to bless Israel, if they obeyed his commands, how much more will he bless us as believers in Christ who gave us the inheritance now? We look at this passage of scripture and we realize we might not be earthly successful, but we will always be eternally successful when we cling to the life-giving truth that is in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because he enables us to live full lives Your life in Christ is full. Your life in Jesus is full. There is a blessing that comes from being obedient to clinging to him in faith. Now Moses gives all of these curses for disobedience in uh, verse 15 all the way through 68. He says things like poverty and famine, defeat, disease, sickness, exile. And God warned Israel of the terrible consequences they would face if they disobeyed his commands. All this suffering would be so severe that they would become an object of horror and ridicule to the other nations around them. Now jump over to the New Testament, be on the screen. Romans chapter 6, verse 1. What shall we say then? Now track with me, church. Look at this. If Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, 
and asked us to give freely, being fully committed to Him, should we then continue in our sins so that grace may abound? How foolish does that sound for us? That just sounds so ridiculous. That's like your parents giving you a huge inheritance and you're saying, I'm going to go to the toy store and spend it on piddly junk. That doesn't make any sense. How shall he who died to sin live any longer in it? You who've been redeemed from the curse of the law no longer have to live in the sin that transpires in your life. This isn't a warning just for Israel, but for us today. It's a reminder that there are consequences to sinful actions that have profound impact on our lives. Yes, sin is forgiven under the cross. Yes, we do sometimes still suffer consequences for our disobedience. But as believers in Christ who died to sin, we no longer live in our sin, but we live in obedience to God and we strive to be holy in all areas of our life. It is the cry to make me like Jesus, to choose to follow God's ways and to obey his commands. That's where we experience the blessings of God, his love and his grace. Now, I'm going to steal this for a second. These are all of Ali's awesome, wonderful, um, where did we just, what was the last song we sang, Bethany? All right, Allie's um, stuff's mixed up, so I don't like it. <clears throat> okay, sorry, Allie, I apologize for this. You all sang this. Like, every single one of us just sang this loud. I love that you sing loud. I think it's great. I don't think you knew what you were singing. Because when we sing as a congregation, we're essentially praying and going back to Deuteronomy 27, we're saying, amen, I agree. So can I, can I read what you sang? What I sang? Based off of what we heard in God's word, where all creation suddenly articulate with a thousand tongues to lift one cry, then from north to south and east to west, we would hear Christ be magnified. Is that you in your life? I don't say this to convict you. I say this to teach you. To really be reminded of this. Can we do this this week? Christ be magnified. Were the whole earth echoing his eminence, his name would burst from sea to sky, from rivers to the mountaintops, we'd hear Christ be magnified. And then we sang, oh, Christ be magnified, let his praise arise. Christ be magnified in me, Christ be magnified in me. We sang it over and over again, because that's what we do at church. We just sing over and over and over again, because we missed the point. But here's, here's the words, church, on the altar of my life, with the gifts of my time, talents, and possessions. I have a near and dear friend. Love him to death. Yesterday, he was doing a project. I went over to help him do the project. He says, no, I'm getting paid for this. I wouldn't do this if I wasn't getting paid. And I thought, man, that's sad. Because I came over and offered to help, and, I, I, and then I was like, we should split it, me and you, right? <laughs> so I'm, I'm guilty too. But think about it, this week, or even, let's just go back to last week. Was Christ magnified on the altar of your life, in your marriage, in your job, in your um, relationships, with your friends, with how you treated your kids? 
Like we sang this together. We all said amen. When all creation finds its inmost melody and every human heart its native cry, with one enraptured hymn of praise, we sing Christ be magnified. We all sang those words. Now, now that's good, right? And I get that. <laughs> Bethany's like, stop, Jordan, because they won't sing anymore. No, I think they'll sing louder because I'll sing louder because this is the culmination of this message. I won't this week. Can you pray this? Bow to idols. I will stand strong. I will worship you. Even if it puts me in the fire, I'll rejoice because you're there too. You're obedient to Jesus this week. You're committed to Jesus this week. You're um, seeking his face. You're going to be in a fire. I guarantee it. 100%. It is not going to be pleasant because conforming to the image of Christ is hard. I won't be formed by my feelings. I'll hold fast to what is true. Will you do that? You sang that. I sang that. If the cross brings transformation, I'll be crucified with you. I think I could say this to you because, you know, you guys are all here on Memorial Day weekend. You're like committed, right? I think, I think this is good. This is, not, this is not something we look at and we say to ourselves, oh, this hurts. I think this helps. And what if, church, what if it causes you death this week? Let me just be honest with you. Uh, um, last week and the week before that, Two young men, gone. Second. Car accident, motorcycle accident, gone. How many of those individuals looked at their, their family and their friends and were like, hey, I'll see you tomorrow? No, you, you might not. If the cross brings transformation, I will be crucified with you. The call to Christ is a call to come and to die. To your feelings, a call to come and die to be transformed, because death is just a doorway into resurrection life. And if I join you in your sufferings, then I'll join you when you rise. That's a, that's a hard song to sing, amen? Like that is, a, that is a challenge. And when you return in glory with all the angels and the saints, and my heart will still be singing, my song will still be the same, I want to hear God say, well done, my good and faithful servant. And he does that. Psalm chapter 37, verse 4. When we worship him, we realize there our heart is conformed to his heart. And he gives us the desires of our heart. Take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Let's pray. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the opportunity to be here today. Those words are kind of hard. <laughs> and we realize that um, this truth is kind of hard. Because oftentimes we come into the sanctuary and, and we get into the space and we like to be comfortable. But you call us to conform. And so we just ask that you would help us today in, in the conforming uh, to your word and to your will. Help us to be obedient when you ask us to give with our time and talents and possessions. Help us to realize that you've been faithful in, in our life. We trust in your continued provision. Align us in our lives to your will that we may be able to show your devotion to you. Help us to be obedient, God. It's, there's just so much fruit that comes from that. If you're here this morning, you don't have a relationship with God through faith in Christ. The Bible says, confess your sins. 
Believe upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Be saved. Enter into the family of God. That's your first step. For those of us who know Jesus, maybe today there needs to be a covenant renewal ceremony where you just say, God, I rededicate my life to you. I rededicate my trust to you. I ask that you help me to obey. I just was wandering. I was looking at the things of the world again. I apologize for that. And I, I just want to have you restore the joy of my salvation and renew a right spirit within me. And God will do that. I believe that with all my heart. There's no better time to rededicate your life to Jesus Christ. And may the Holy Spirit fill you and give you the ability and the opportunity and the obligation to share that beautiful gospel with people in your life this week, as well as lift up people who are around you as well. All God's people said, amen. Thank you for listening to the Community Gospel Church podcast. If you would like to support this ministry financially, simply log on to communitygospelchurch.com and click the Contribute tab.